welcome. It's the fan check down on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here for one final time this season. Okay, so we called yesterday's show the penultimate show. Is this season, is this episode the ultimate show? Is that how it works? I'm not an English major. What was your major in university? You're making me think I had a <laughs> split degree between uh, social and media information techniculture with a minor in philosophy. Okay, so you're not an English major either, no. so that's good. No. Uh, I went to Humber College for broad- radio broadcasting, so that's all I know. have to read a lot of books to get smarter. I went to the University of Western Ontario. Nice. You and Elliot Friedman, although he didn't graduate. When you're that talented, you can be a one and done. I guess so. I think he went for four years, but he just didn't finish off the degree. I think that's what it was. I think he's okay. I think he he did well for himself. You know, there is an Elliot Friedman Award. At Western? There is. How does he get it? He didn't even graduate. He gets an award? Is that? that There's also a a Dan Shulman Award. Oh, nice. They got to come with a Carolyn Cameron Award. Yeah. Oh, Carolyn went to Western as well. She did. So uh, we'll, we'll we will opine for that and the Donovan Bennett Award. I like it. Now I don't know if that I don't know if that one's coming. There is no Matt Marchese Award at Humber College, although Sid went there, and so did his brother Alex. If I'm not mistaken, Sid's in the Hall of Fame there. I went to the induction. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had no clothes to wear, so I had to go down the street from here and go buy some. Because it was like a last-minute thing. It meant that much to you. I went, yeah, yeah. Did you get a gold jacket? What do you get? A gold microphone? Gold jacket, green jacket. Actually, I don't know what he... Well, it was just... It's it's the Humber College one, so I don't even know. He probably got a plaque. Like what you get for service here. I've been 12 years, last Saturday. It's a long time, Donovan. It is. Long time. Okay, so uh, that's a lot of talking about nothing to start the last show. Uh, oh, we didn't even get the answer. Is... Is it the ultimate show if it's the last one? We don't know this, right? I was going to say it's overtime. Somebody, somebody text us. The extra session. This is an untimed down is what it is. <laughs> Which we thought we were going to get an overtime in the Super Bowl. Okay, so you texted me last night. Um, <laughs> I actually, was it last night or this morning? No, it was this morning. And I kind of got a chuckle out of it when you said, you know, I really want to kill Shanahan for for the game that he called. And you must have, like, did you go to bed last night and you're like, oh, you know what? He actually really sucked in that game. So what what made you change your mind? Because I did not crucify. We both really didn't crucify Kyle Shanahan. We, you know, talked about certain parts of the game, but I feel like you are ready to crucify him here. Just... Distinction, because although we're not English majors, words do matter. I said I want to crush Shanahan. Not it's kill. all the same. I don't want to assassinate the head coach of the 49ers. I, I thought in the moment he made a big mistake in overtime. We talked about that yesterday. But that on the balance, coached a nice game, had a trick play, went forward on fourth down, kept the drive alive. He was more aggressive. These are the things we need to see from him. He ran the ball 22 times. People were afraid that you know he might, like the Ravens, forget about the run. But I realize we're grading on a curve. We're grading on the expectations we may have had of him not meeting the moment. We weren't grading on him in the moment against the other head coach and coaching staff. Okay. And in that appraisal, he was crushed. And so I will now uh, crush him <laughs> once again. And here's a, he's a great coach, outstanding coach, beautiful play designer, 
huge influence. There's a reason why his coaching tree is essentially a third of the NFL at this point. There is no question about his aptitude or ability. There should be no question of his job security. And I do believe, as you alluded to yesterday, this is but a chapter in his career, and he could be our Andy Reid, mm -hmm. where he's the guy who can't win until all he does is win. Having said that, in that moment, in that game, he was badly outcoached. A couple ways. He's allergic to third downs. It's as if he thinks he needs to give money back if his offense doesn't get a first down and two downs. He's playing CFL football. You know who knew that? Steve Spagnuolo. In football, we say KY, um, KYP. Know your personnel. Spagnuolo knew they were going to be aggressive on second downs because they don't want to get to third downs because they're not good at third downs. And thus, he risks it all on first and second down. Spagnuolo blitzed 60% of the time on first down when Shanahan's got his best play. When the Niners got to third down, they were 3-12. and 12. They didn't have a plan for third down. There were two third downs that could have essentially iced the game late, third and fours, to get either of them. One was a zero blitz. Trent McDuffie blitzes and knocks the ball down. They had no answers. Which, which before you even continue, is amazing considering the personnel that they have on that offense. Also amazing that in the last one, there was a timeout before it. You had time to think about it. You know, game on the line, again, know your personnel. It's not just the players you're playing against. It's the person. Steve Spagnuolo is going to go out swinging. You think he's not going to blitz you oh, with the game on the line? It's his favorite thing to do. Of course. So and you, we know that, and we're not watching as much film as these guys. Are. Yes. So for you not to have a, a better uh, zone blitz beater in that scenario makes no sense. Two, we talked about the missed assignment in terms of you are on the play that they had essentially, you know, could have been a, a touchdown to, to, again, take control of the game to Jennings in the end zone. Purdy pressured by Chris Jones. And mistake by the guard in, in leaving him. And next thing you know, Chris Jones is untouched into the backfield. That is a player mistake. I can't necessarily say that's on Shanahan because players make mistakes. I'm sure he wasn't coached that way. However, you know what was a mistake? Sliding the protection away from Chris Jones. Yeah. The fact that you, I don't care what the strength is. I don't care what the down and distance is. Your first rule in terms of where your protection should go should be to the best defensive player on the other team. If not double teaming, at the very least, the entire line should be sliding to him, not away from him. Again, know your personnel. And if we're going to know the personnel, how about we know the rules? As much as I believe, you could make a case. Uh, the analytics tell me that in overtime, we want the third possession. That's actually the most valuable because if the two teams match in the first two, then it becomes sudden death. And so that extra possession with the game on the line is valuable. Again, know your personnel. Know that I, I don't care... When it is, I don't want to give Patrick Mahomes an extra down. Mm -hmm. So I want him to go first, knowing that he's essentially playing with three downs and we can match whatever he does. And I actually don't want this overtime to be extended. The longer you play against Patrick Mahomes, the worse. If Patrick Mahomes gets the ball first, a couple things can happen. We can stop him. Great. Any score wins the game. Mm -hmm. They could kick a field goal. Great. We are now 
in four down territory and trying to score it. You want to know why? Because we don't want to give Patrick Mahomes the ball back. Yeah, we we are in control of what happens. Correct. If they score a touchdown, great. We now know we have to score a touchdown. And guess what? We're going for two. Why? Because we don't want to give Patrick Mahomes the ball back. The analytics are faceless and nameless. So in any scenario, might you want the ball third? Sure. If you're playing against Mac Jones, take the ball third. If you're playing against Patrick Mahomes with an opportunity to score to win the Super Bowl, you do it, which is why the Chiefs all said in unison, we were getting the ball and we were going for two and we wanted it second. They all knew it. Why? Because they knew the rules. They talked about the fact they had a meeting every week mm-hmm. about the the playoff rules, so much so that they're like, why are we doing this again? I don't so know. So you don't forget. In case you're in that scenario and it matters, every 49er steps to the podium. I didn't know the rules. I actually, I thought the team who got the ball first won. That's what Kyle Juszczyk said, who's a leader and a captain on that team. Eric Armstead said he had no ideas, said he was reading the rules off of the scoreboard <laughs> like the rest of the fans in the stadium. How is that possible? You, one, had two weeks to prepare. Two, I would argue, you had six months to prepare. The whole point is to get to the Super Bowl and win it. Three, are you guys not fans of football? We've been talking about this for two years. Ever since Josh Allen didn't get the ball back, one of the biggest conversations was never again. Was the NFL going to let that happen? Thus, we have these new rules. I knew that. You knew that. Lance, the 49ers fan, knew that. How is it possible that 53 players playing the game of their lives did not know how the game was going to end? Yeah, that is that is insanely egregious. Like, that, that just shouldn't happen. Like, if you don't know the little nuances of a certain rule, then that's fine. But this is something, and the other thing is, too, is it's not like it's an old rule that just gets put into the rule book every year. It's like you said. It, we know how new this is, okay? There's a reason why this happened. Um, but it also goes to the point, too. You talk about them being NFL fans. To me, this goes with the same conversation as coaches. These guys aren't watching anybody else play. I've seen how they vote on awards. They lie. They don't know. You know, the guys get the, the you know, the, the uh, all-pro voted by, uh, former, by fellow players. And this guy's getting a lifetime achievement award. It's all, so they don't watch. But I thought about this as well, like with the whole Kyle Shanahan thing and not, and these players not being aware. There is no one that this falls on other than the head coach. This is not the, the players have so many other things that they're doing. I do blame the players for just not paying attention, but that is on the coach to make sure that they know whether they didn't know or knew at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the playoffs, whatever, that part doesn't matter because it's the coach that needs to make sure that they know. Because you're presented with that situation, you better know what the heck you're doing. Like, did they have a conversation with Warner before? Like, I don't know. Did they really believe that this was the best case scenario? I don't know that we'll ever know that. Well, Kyle Shanahan said his analytics. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna that's say the best case. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. when asked if it had anything to do with the defense being tired, he said that was not the scenario. Ultimately, they felt the numbers were on their side. If they if the two teams matched and if they were to get the third possession and thus it would have been sudden death. The, t- the two teams weren't matching because the Chiefs were going for two if they had the ball second, which was their optimal scenario because they could either score and win or 
they could match a score and then try to essentially have a two-pointer for the season. And they said that is more favorable than playing more football and seeing what happens. And again, there's a term in scouting. Dumb will get you beat. And there is value on having smart players and and coaching them up and having them understand time and score and scenario. And I'm not saying the Niners players are dumb, but they made some dumb mistakes. Mm -hmm. What did we talk about all week? The amount of motion that the the Chiefs had. Touchdown to MVS, switch motion. He's wide open. Touchdown to McCole Hardman. The you know same play that they ran last year. Same play they ran twice in the Super Bowl for touchdowns. Again, I'm watching NFL Network and I understand these things. These guys are in meetings all the time. Time scenario score. Who you're playing? You have to know what's going on. You got a fourth and inches for the season. You make a stop. The season's over. There's a, a again long break before timeout. Nick Bosa crashes on Isaiah Pacheco in the run-pass option, and Patrick Mahomes is out out the gate for a first down and has potentially Kelsey uh, as a pass option. Kelsey was covered well, but I'm sorry. If we're going through the myriad of things that happen, you think Andy Reid is giving Isaiah Pacheco a carry with the season on the line when he has Patrick Mahomes in the same backfield and Travis Kelsey on the field? Zero percent chance. Yes, and also I, I want to talk about that too because remember the criticism on Andy Reid earlier in the year where they were getting too cute yes. with their play calls on fourth down and third and one and all that where they were giving the ball to guys like Sky Moore and no no disrespect, Rasheed Rice. They weren't even giving the ball to Isaiah Pacheco then. That's also the, the learning from Andy Reid over the course of the season. Maybe not learning, but just like, okay, I'm not doing that. No. Like I'm, get, I'm I'm putting the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands and he's going to make a play. Like that that is the obvious thing. Um, but you want to know why? Because if it doesn't work out, you know who's going to sleep well at night? Andy Reid. Yeah. Because he's going to know, I went down swinging with my best player. You know who's not going to sleep this entire offseason? Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Because there are things that were in their control that they didn't handle. Yeah, they definitely didn't handle it. Okay, uh, we need to have this Brock Purdy conversation. Okay. Because Talk to me. There are still going to be the detractors. I don't. Th- I think Purdy played okay. I don't think that he played. They went to overtime, so he certainly played well enough to have them that close. Were there some throws that he missed? Yes. Were there some protection issues? Hell yes. When we evaluate Brock Purdy after, let's call it a year and a half, because he didn't play for the first half of last season. Does he strike you as a guy? And we've had multiple people on this show, people who we respect their opinions on the NFL. Do you believe that Brock Purdy is a quarterback that can win you a Super Bowl? Or is Brock Purdy going to be that you, you know, you how do you how do you talk about your quarterbacks? You win because um you win in spite of and there's one in the middle. I think you had three buckets. Uh, you can win with. Win with. Okay. So is he the guy you can win with, or do you think he's the guy you win because of? Well, yeah, I would say there's four buckets. Can't win with. Okay. Win despite of. Sure. Can win with and win because of. Okay. And I would say Brock Purdy is in that third tier that you can win with. I don't think you win because of him, but you can win with. So the Brock 
Purdy conversation is like many things in our current day and age and specifically on social media, people are having two conversations at the same time mm -hmm. and they're shouting past each other. They're not listening to each other. The one conversation, Brock Purdy is a game manager. No, he's not. He's not. Eli Manning was essentially someone who won a championship and was a game manager. Alex Smith was a game manager. Trent Dilfer, game manager. Oh, you have a great he defense. A, he was a game disruptor in don't, a lot of cases. Don't mess it up. Yeah. Just don't mess it up. Just do not mess it up. Brock Purdy is making plays out of structure. He's, he's buying time, making a big throw to Kyle Juszczyk for a first down to keep a drive alive. He's throwing, you know, big balls down the field. He's a playmaker. He's not a game manager. You don't put up the statistics he does by checking it down. Yeah, he didn't. His his yards per target was like three or four yards more than Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. Yes. Yeah. So that doesn't sound like a game manager to me. It sounds like a guy that takes shots. Yes. Like So, you know, Ken Dorsey at the University of Miami, who can just throw screens to playmakers all over the field and put up like that's a game manager that's, that's not Brock Purdy because he has elite talent around him doesn't by default make him a game manager it makes him a beneficiary of that talent no question and the difference between him and Mahomes is he can't make plays despite the lack of talent that can be around him so if you lose Debo Samuel to injury or if they take George Kittle out of the game or if for the first time those double moves that Brandon Ayuk does aren't working against LeJarrius Sneed, well, then what? And I think that's the difference ultimately between Brock Purdy and between Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, Lamar Jackson, right? He's not in that level. The other difference is, and Tom Brady mentioned this on his podcast, there are players who play design, comes from the sideline, they go in, they execute what's called, and you better hope it works against that set defense because it doesn't, then you just don't have a play. And people may laud them for pulling down the ball and running or whatnot, but Tom Brady's saying, well, no, why didn't you check into a play that would work against that defense? Because ultimately, you're just playing probability. The coordinator expects a certain defense, makes a call relative to it, and hopes he actually gets it. Where Patrick Mahomes is at the line of scrimmage, checking into things to make sure they have a play that works. And then if that play doesn't work because of execution because someone gets beat whatever then he can improv and still make you right because he's that talented again i think brock purdy we saw to start the game he was nails yeah he was awesome he was lights out because the plays were scripted he well, had his, always that first drive right what do we thought the first 15 plays are scripted. first 15 plays practiced them all week wrapped them all week knew the looks looked like he was ready the pressure to get to him get into the second half adjustments are made people are tired the exotic blitzes are starting to come based off of the feedback of what you want to do and the adjustments made at halftime. Well, the level of play drops. The eye level drops. You're now staring at the rush and not looking downfield. And I think ultimately that's the difference. But to your point, remember, this is a young player yeah. that was drafted at the end of the draft for a reason that didn't have an offseason because he didn't have a ligament in his elbow. There was questions about whether or not he was going to make it back for the beginning of the regular season, so much so they tried to call Tom Brady to play for them and make this essentially an apprenticeship year for Brock Purdy. So he is so ahead of schedule based off of his draft profile and what you'd expect from a young quarterback, no matter where they're drafted. If Trevor Lawrence was putting up the numbers Brock Purdy is, we would throw a parade. 
So well, we wouldn't be having the conversation that we're currently having about him, that's for sure. No. So is Brock Purdy capable of winning on that team with that talent? I mean, he took them to overtime. He almost did win it. But is he the same as the other guys who, no matter what happens around them, you know you're going to be in championship contention? No. He's, he's not there yet. There are five players, and we're going to talk about offseason decisions later in the show, so stick around for that. There are five players on this roster who are the in this roster I'm talking about the four Niners, who are the highest paid player at their position. Mm-hmm. Five. And Nick Bosa's real money hasn't even kicked in yet. They're going to, they I think they're gonna be okay next year. But after that, they're gonna make some, you know, real decisions. And obviously Brock Purdy's not gonna, you know, be paid less than their offensive and defensive coordinator. Yeah, they've they've got uh, like five hundred and thirty thousand in cap space and i did some rejigging of the cap uh spot track does a great job of that um you could you know you restructure a couple guys you can cut a couple guys you can get to the the one actually before we get to that i did want to put one thing out there about brock purdy i do believe that brock purdy can get himself into that conversation of being the guy that you can win with um but like you said he has he's Barely had an, a real NFL offseason as the starter. Well, he actually hasn't had an NFL offseason as the starter. Plus, there was no expectations for this guy. He's been able to soak everything in. Whatever they got out of that was an absolute bonus. For me, the real work starts this offseason for him. Because there are things that he has to get better at. There are things that he has to learn. But also, like comes from Iowa State. It's not like this program where they just, you know, throw the ball, huck it all over the field like they did at USC or or they did um, at, you know, Washington. It's not the same program. Like, this guy played the position differently than he is expected to play it under Kyle Shanahan. And that's why I think there is still a learning curve here. There's always a learning curve. You always have to get better. But I think the athleticism is good enough to get himself out of trouble. I think, the, you know, people talk about his arm. I think the arm is fine. Like, if you take, would you take his arm or Jared Goff's arm? His. Well, this is my point. And Jared Goff had a wonderful season. And Jared Goff can't move like him. No. And we talk about Jared Goff as, you know, among the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Well, Brock Purdy's absolutely in that conversation. I think there's some learning that needs to be done. I think, I I do wonder about, you know, when you talk about, you know, checking at the line and stuff like that, a lot of that is trust from the coaching staff too. True. Right. You, yes, you have to be smart and, and coaches have to recognize that. But there are some quarterbacks that are smart that it took them two, three, four years before their coaching staff said, OK, you can check at the line now. Mahomes be one. Yeah. Well, I, I think. Well, and, and also. The intricacies of both of the offenses, look at the guys that are calling the plays there, Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan. They're not vanilla offenses. There are a lot of moving parts in those offenses, which is a lot for a young quarterback to handle. And I'm not going to say that that Brock Purdy is going to be Patrick Mahomes because I don't think he ever is. But I do think there is a conversation to be had that this is a very big offseason for him in multiple ways. Um, and if, by the way, if he was not selected in the draft, so one pick, um, he would have been eligible for a contract extension this offseason. So a lot riding on, you know, next year for Brock Purdy, but I think he's going to be fine. I think what we I think people are so hard on the guy and not realizing all the little things that go along with his career in that last pick in the draft. 
didn't have an offseason as a starter. In two seasons, has not had an offseason as a starter. Almost lost his elbow. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. So, I, I think that that is uh, an interesting conversation. And they lose Clint Kubiak out of that offensive they sure do. room. Uh, it's going to Denver. It's, it's funny how these things happen. They lose Clint Kubiak. The Ravens lose the defensive coordinator, two defensive assistants who become coordinators, an executive who becomes a GM. The Chiefs lose nobody. In fact, they're plus one because we both expect Eric Bieniemy yeah. to go back in that building. So they lose nobody. Continue. They get another good mind. The rich continue to get richer. Uh, as we tie a bow on this conversation, I do think the organization can help Purdy. They got to fortify that offensive line. Oh. You have a small quarterback who you know needs to throw from the pocket. Yes, Trent Williams is outstanding. Although but the rest of the line wasn't he, good. He, he, well, Trent Williams wasn't good in the game. He, no. He, he, he was dominating the game. But they have to fortify the interior of that offensive line to give him a better chance. Okay. That was a great conversation on property. I think a lot of people are crazy about how they evaluate him. But anyway. So, the Chiefs' opening game okay. of the season, here's the potential opponents. Chargers, Broncos, Raiders, Texans, Ravens, Bengals, Saints, Bucks. Who do you have that you would love to see? Because I've got two that I've circled. As per usual, I've spent way too much time thinking <laughs> about this because I have obviously no influence. But, here we go. The... NFC South teams that are coming to Kansas City, listen, you, you have no shot. Buccaneers, Saints, get out of here. Not going to be great games. No one wants to see you. We're going to cross them out for now. Mm -hmm. The Bengals is interesting. Mm -hmm. Team that will be bouncing back because of injury. Bengals are a potential landing spot for one Chris Jones. If they want to pull the Charles Haley and say, we're going to weaken our opponent by strengthening ourselves with their best player, you know, that could make the storylines interesting. Mm -hmm. Also, I would, if I were the Chiefs, I would then say, well, we counter by stealing T. Higgins and see how you like that. But in offseason, based off of free agency, the Bengals are in play. Obviously, the Ravens are in play. Texans, interesting. You know, the Lots of cap space. Lots of cap space, but you've got the the star QB against the one in, in training Raiders not happening. They were just one in Vegas. That's going to be a regular season game. Again, Broncos not happening. If it was up to me, I would pick the Ravens. You have that rematch. Lamar Jackson's going to be hearing all about Patrick Mahomes this off season and how he doesn't meet up to that level, even though he has the regular season MVP, Patrick Mahomes has the Super Bowl MVP. But I think the answer will be the Los Angeles Chargers. I think wow. The, I think if you are the NFL and you're going to have lots of primetime Chiefs exposure and you're looking to spread it across the balance of the schedule, no matter when Ravens Chiefs play, this is going to be a big game. It could be a Thursday nighter. You're welcome, Am Amazon. It could be a Sunday nighter. You're welcome, NBC. Do you want to just put this? On Peacock, go ahead. Go go crazy. It's it's going to be a big game regardless. The Chiefs play the Chargers twice. They're in the division. So yeah, that feels like a 4 p.m. CBS game at some point. But if you schedule the Chargers to start the year, all of a sudden it's Jim Harbaugh back in the league 
first time. He won a championship. He's coming off winning the NCAA championship against the Super Bowl championships. The championship that has eluded him, he goes against that level right away. Herbert Mahomes. I feel like there's a bigger sell for that game early than there would be late when, you know, the, the Chargers are inevitably just piss it all away. <laughs> well, I mean, even if they're six and three, it's just less of a sexy matchup than when they're both O and O and Harbaugh has to sit there for 20 minutes and watch them put up another banner. I think the storylines, which ultimately people make fun of the NFL, this script, whatnot. One thing they understand is narrative and storyline and dominating the conversation. Forget about game day, the week prior in this case the months prior i would love to see ravens chiefs because i would love to see that rematch right away i think the nfl ultimately goes with your boy harbaugh against the chiefs who you got uh before we do that you talk about the script have you seen this thing about the last time that the the chiefs and the uh niners played in the super bowl the comparisons from what happened that year to what happened this year no it's like Joel Embiid gets injured oh, and they've every year, but it was a surgery on the, the left side of his body, whatever it was. It was, you know, this team finishes with this record and like the comparisons are insane. Actually, you know what? Lance sent it to me. Okay. Well, while Lance you, is doing great work while, while you're looking for I got it. it. It's okay. okay. I don't, I don't get that many DMS. Okay. So, uh, tell Lamar Jackson yeah. won the MVP. Yeah. Same. Uh, Ravens won the AFC North. The Texans won the AFC South with 10 wins. Chiefs won the AFC West. The Chargers were last in the AFC West. Hmm. Uh, Washington last in the NFC with 13 losses. Panthers last in the NFC South. 49ers won the NFC West. The Cardinals were last in the NFC West. Uh, The Chiefs uh, were the home team in both Super Bowls. 49ers were the one seed both years. Billie Eilish won Song of the Year. The Chiefs were plus 600 preseason odds to win the Super Bowl. The 49ers beat the Packers in the playoffs. Um, the uh, the Bruins and the Maple Leafs finished top five in the East. They were current. They were top five in the East when that happened. Uh, Avalanche finished second in the West. They were currently second in the West. Um, number one seed wins a college football playoff. Two undefeated teams play in the college football playoff. The loser of the college football playoff lost by three scores. Joel Embiid had surgery to repair his left hand. He had surgery to repair his left knee. Uh, Panthers fire Ron Rivera after a loss. Commanders fire Ron Rivera. Uh, Winner of the Citrus Bowl scores 35 points. Winner of the Citrus Bowl scores 35 points. And then a month after all of that happened, or whatever it was, the entire world shut down. Oh, uh-oh. Are you, are you <laughs> saying I need to go buy more masks? Oh, a couple things come to mind. One, who has time? Yeah, I know. To cross-reference. You know what? I'm just, I got a good list here, but I'm just going to check Citrus Bowl scores right now to see. And hope that it's right. And hope that it's right. Because we care so much about the Citrus Speaking Bowl. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl this year. No idea. I only know that because somebody talked about Tennessee you, and the bowl. It was Adam you, Rank. He was talking about what bowl game Tennessee played in this year. You only know that because you're a degenerate gambler. Uh, speaking of lists, uh, <laughs> did you see the amount of things that come up to Taylor Swift's 13? favorite number 13? Yeah. You see this? Well, I saw I saw Will Compton and uh, Taylor Luan, and they were doing it. And he's like, 100 minus 13? 
87. They're like, well, how did you get to that? No, why 100? He goes, I don't know. It just worked with what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. Super Bowl 58, 5 plus 8 is 13. 49ers, 4 plus 9 is 13. Uh, the game, February 11th, 2 plus 11 is 13. 13. Uh, Chiefs wins this year with Travis Kelsey on the field, 13. And their game-winning drive was? 13 thir- plays. 13 plays. The Swift Wild game. stuff. Taylor Swift. Okay, the game that I think should be? Yes. After all of that? Uh, I think it should be the Texans. Really? So here's what I, I I would lean Bengals in a way because Joe Burrow coming back mm-hmm. off the injury, the guy, the only guy who's had any success against Patrick yeah. Mahomes, really yeah. outside of Tom Brady in the playoffs. And then I thought, because even the Ravens thing, I was like, if the Ravens game against the Chiefs was better. Much like the Bills and Chiefs game when they played in that playoff game and then they played in the first game of the season the following year. That makes sense to me. The Houston Texans are the up-and-coming team in the AFC. They have the quarterback. They have the star on defense. And they've got like $70 million in cap space. They're going to draft well. They have, they have a first-round pick, which is better than the one that they traded away. Thank you, Cleveland Browns. I think that the Houston Texans are a team to watch. And they've got C.J. Stroud, who's coming off Offensive Rookie of the Year. Boy, oh boy, I think that's a juicy matchup. And See, and I think that much like your talk with the Chargers, I think that uh, maybe less people would pay attention if that's like a Week 3 matchup. See, I disagree. I think it's the opposite because I don't think the Texans have enough juice. You're a football nerd. You see where the Texans are going. I think there's big... I think they're going to do something big this offseason. I do. And they already have the quarterback. Maybe. My point is, my mom can't point out a Houston Texan, if you asked her. I think if that is a Week 11 matchup, C.J. Stroud is on Good Morning America because he's in the MVP race with Patrick Mahomes. Where does it go? Is this going to be a passing of the torch? I think that makes sense because, to your point, I think the Texans are going to be really good in the class of that division Next year, the Chargers are known quantities. You have Herbert. You have Harbaugh. That's why I think that's the game because it's an easy sell early. It's all about momentum. And why did the Lions make sense this year for the Chiefs' first opponent? Because... Dan Campbell is going to bite your kneecaps off. We talked about them all offseason. But I see they the Lions and the Houston Texans as the same. The the te- the Lions of last year, last season, are the same as the Texans of this season, minus the star young quarterback. That's how I look at them, like the up-and-coming team. Just remember who predicted that the Detroit Lions would be in the NFC Championship game. But that's that's how I view the Texans in the same light. That's why I think it's so juicy. I also am doing it selfishly because I like watching the Houston Texans. Right. Like, I'm not doing it based on what the NFL would think. This is what I would love to see. I'm selfish. Listen, if you want to see a game where there's a blitz on every play. Yes. That would be the one. Well, I don't know if you want to blitz Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if you want to blitz CJ Stroud either. Yeah, that's true too, actually. Uh, Okay, we got to take a break. When we come back, our four off-season storylines, two each that we are looking forward to having solved. Uh, before we do that, I just want to get to a couple texts that we got um, uh, from Giacomo in Windsor, who listens all the time. He said, been listening all year, Donovan and Maddie Marr, great work. Um, and for from Dan in G-Town, uh, the final show is going to make me cry. Management better have you two back next year, or I'll track them down like a rabid dog. Thank you, Dan in G-Town. Georgetown. 
for all those wondering. Uh, we're going to take a break. It's not Guelph? It's not Guelph. We established, He texted back and said it's not Guelph. It's, it's Georgetown. Yeah, it's definitely Georgetown. Georgetown. Not, it's not Guelph Town. Fair. Maybe they call it the G. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> more when we come back. This is a fan check down. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett, you're listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's Fan Checkdown, the final block of this season on this show. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Before we get to all of the... Um, stuff that we're looking for for the offseason uh highest uh, most viewed super bowl in the history of the game i think it was 123 million uh you are shocked by this no right no not at all nor should you be for all those idiots that didn't want to watch taylor swift on the tv that didn't watch yeah, they were their spots were filled and more well that's because they don't exist zero I know, they're stupid. Did, who like football, didn't watch football because they showed big play reactions by Taylor Swift and Blake Lively. And by the way, I'll have to say, Taylor Swift has been crushed historically for winning like 10 American Music Awards in one sitting. And every single time they cut to her, she's like shocked and all like, oh, me? Yeah. Well, I, I, again? Be- top no. Best single? Me? What? I, it might not be an act because either she doesn't know the rules to the game or everything shocks and sights her. Because every time they cut to her and there's a big play, it's as if she had never seen a big play before. Yeah. She, she was look at, so excited. Does she look at her bank account and go, oh, billion dollars? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm shocked, that, I'm shocked Wait, that it got there. Another sold out arena? Like, yeah. People are outside singing my lyrics again? Yeah. For the 30th consecutive time? Yeah, shout out to uh, the boys in the Any Given Sunday Fantasy League for forwarding this information. That was Johnny that sent me this. Um, Taylor Swift was on TV, for all the people that didn't want to watch, Taylor Swift was on TV for 0.36% of the broadcast, which was a, she was shown 12 times for a total of 54 seconds. I rest my case, Your Honor. Okay, off-season storylines. Uh, we talked about the Chiefs. Your big one is, will Chris Jones return to the Kansas City Chiefs? He's going to make a lot of money. He certainly is. I mean, he's the, no disrespect to Aaron Donald, but he has become the premier interior pass rusher. He's the size of an offensive lineman. He can rush inside and outside, and he has the agility to get down the line on screens, they went through the scenario where they restructured his contract, gave him some incentive money this year, all of which he hit, by the way. You know, they're not going to franchise tag him because, you know, that ultimately is too expensive. Ultimately, what I think they're going to do is ask Patrick Mahomes for some of his money in terms of restructuring his deal. Mahomes has seven years in $311 million left on the contract, but he has a $57.4 million salary cap hit in 2024, the third highest in the NFL. So if you can kick the can down the road, one of the benefits of signing someone for 10 years, a half a billion dollars, is they're amenable when they are asked to restructure it to keep this team together. But they've got some big 
Free Sorry, agency. they can restructure and save seven million dollars. Uh, they can get up to. They'll save it's they save seven million dollars in real money this year, but they they end up going up to like twenty nine million in cash base. So it's about seven million dollars off the cap that they'll save by doing that. And they've got some real decisions to make in terms of their free agents. Not a lot, but all of them are somewhat high impact. Legereus Sneed, as a corner, is up. He had zero TDs against uh, as the nearest defender in the regular season. If anything, I think they let him walk because they've got some young corners coming, and Chris Jones is much more valuable in the interior with his 75.5 career sacks. Michael Dana, another defensive end, had seven tackles for loss, 50 tackles. Drew Tranquil, who was a free agent signing on a prove-it deal from the Chargers, he was big in the playoffs with 79 tackles. Willie Gay, a star in the middle of that, had 58 tackles. Mike Edwards, who, who played safety uh, when Cook got hurt, had 51 tackles. And Donovan Smith, who I think they can upgrade at the tackle position, still had a 91% pass block win rate, which is what you want for your left tackle, protecting the half a billion dollar man. I, I think, though, Jones is the one of all of them that you have to do. There's essentially... Five Hall of Famers on this team. Mahomes, Kelsey, Andy Reid as a coach, Harrison Butker as a kicker now, I think is a Hall of Famer, and Chris Jones. I think you do whatever you can to keep that core intact. But other teams will and should make it expensive for them. I mentioned Chris, uh, Charles Haley at the beginning. We've seen it you know, with Deion Sanders in the mm-hmm. past. The rival cherry-picking your most expensive defender, hoping that's going to get you over the top. I mean, your Buffalo Bills have their own cap issues, so it might not be feasible for them. Oh, it's not. But if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals, I tried last year with Orlando Brown Jr. to cherry pick off that offensive line. I think I go back to that same well and have a conversation with Chris Jones to see if I can get him to to part ways and to move. He was screaming, run it back on the field. We'll see what number it's going to cost for him to be back in the fold. Well, I created $32 million in cap space in the time that you were talking. Okay. Brett Veach. So if you restructure Mahomes, Joe Tooney and Travis Kelsey, and you cut uh, MVS, there's $32 million in cap space right there. Wow. It's pretty good, eh? Cold-blooded. MVS yeah. just gone. Well, it's, big catch it's against dead. your Bills. He's, big he's, catch in the Super Bowl. He makes third. He makes almost fourteen million dollars next year, and his dead cap is two million. Like that, he's getting cut every day of the week. He's getting cut. Um, the other big storyline for me is the Bears and the QB situation. Yes. What are they going to do here? Like, there's been some rumblings about Pittsburgh being interested in Justin Fields. Well, they just cut. Mr. Biscay sure did. Made some room. Cold, talking about cold. Had, <laughs> had one Bears QB that was first round that didn't work out. Bring in the next one. Yeah, I, I here's a hot take. I don't think Caleb Williams is as good as everybody thinks he's going to be. Like, to say he's Patrick Mahomes is foolish, and I'm not even saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not, like... I. He's, so he's not the first he, or second best QB in the NFL? No, but like he's not, but that's what people are expecting from him. Like I, I think that I think that Caleb Williams will be a good starter. I think he's, I don't know that he's this going to be this elite starter. Like I'm not, I'm, I don't know that after four years we're talking about him among the top five best quarterbacks in the NFL. I would argue he's probably closer to the ten range after that point. Well, let's lower the bar. He's not Patrick o- Mahomes. Other than that's easy. first ballot Hall of Famer, shall we? 
Is he CJ Stroud? No. Be- I don't believe so. I I I I, th- I think he is. Oh, we got a bet brewing for next year. That's fine. I think the point is he's not Bryce Young. No, I don't believe that he is Bryce. He's Young. not Baker. Bryce Young he's not. A, he's not Baker Mayfield to evaluate. Bryce he's not Young Jared this year, Goff. So. Like I just think if you're picking one and you're picking a QB, you can't strike out. You you can't have. That's why I would trade the pick. Honestly, I would trade the pick and I would add around Justin Fields. Or or you if you don't if you're not comfortable making the pick at number one, trade the number one pick. Move down and take another quarterback. Right? Like, if you're going to do that, accumulate as many assets as you can and watch how good you are after you draft Marvin Harrison at number two to go with DJ Moore. So, you, you said to start this thought experiment, he is not that elite guy. Correct. And the question is, is Justin Fields. Because if if the known I know quantity, what I have in him though, but but is he that elite guy? I so if the answer if you you know what you have and you know he's not the elite guy, then what's stopping you from actually cashing in the assets for Fields? And I don't want to say throwing a flyer because you don't if you're picking someone first overall, it's not a flyer. Yeah, but exploring what Caleb Williams could be because he is going to be cheaper for longer than. Justin Fields is going to be. You have to make a decision soon on if you want to pay Justin Fields anywhere from forty-five to sixty-five million dollars a year. Yeah. You don't have to do that with Caleb Williams just yet, and that's value because you can build up the roster around him. So I will say this: I think it's unfair to judge Justin Fields to the extent that we can for a lot of quarterbacks who have played as long as he has, because he's had three different offensive coordinators. Like, there's been no consistency. For Justin Fields. So that's where that's where my opinion lies. Uh, we got we to go quick on these next two because we got to do some shout-outs before we finish this thing up. Kirk Cousins, returns to the Vikings or no? I feel like this is a marriage of convenience. I don't know what their other option is if they don't re-sign him. They, they can't upset Justin Jefferson. No, but he doesn't care who his quarterback is. It's kind of what he said. Like, it doesn't matter who's throwing to me. I'm going to be elite, which he is. It, 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 it's one thing to say that now. When you're catching dirt balls, you might get yeah, upset. You might be. And then Kirk Cousins coming off an Achilles, you know, at advanced age. He, he danced pretty well at the NFL honors. He did dance very well. But, you know, here's the, the average per year. And Kirk Cousins historically has not left a dime on the table. Joe Burrow, 55 per. Justin Herbert, 52 and a half. Lamar Jackson, 52. Jalen Hurts, 51. Russell Wilson, 49. Kyler Murray, 46. Deshaun Watson, 46. Patrick Mahomes, 45. Josh Allen, 43. Matt Stafford, 40. Dak Prescott, 40. And Dak is up for a new deal that will go up. If Kirk Cousins and his representation are, are talking to you, is he signing something for less than Deshaun Watson? Or Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson? He's asking for $48 million a year. I think he's asking for more. And it only takes one. So the Vikings are negotiating against a team who lacks reason because whether it is the Saints who, you know, his former quarterback coach joined or the Raiders or the Broncos, there's someone who's going to be desperate to get the quarterback position right. The Falcons. So where he goes, at what number, and if he just doesn't come back and both – 
side say this is not ideal, but it's the best case scenario? I'm fascinated to see what happens. Uh, my interesting thing is the robust uh, running back market. We can't really get into it, but I'll just give you the names. Henry, Jacobs, Eckler, Pollard, Barkley, Swift, Edwards, Dobbins, Singletary, Elliott, among others. It's pretty good. It's not Taylor Swift land. The running back Zoom meeting is going to be interested when they all get underwhelming offers. Yeah, not a great running back market for the draft. So that's where these guys are going to end up making some bank. Okay, uh, some shout-outs to everyone. Uh, to everyone who's worked on this show this year, to the bosses who made this opportunity possible. I mean, there's no show like this in the country. We're the only one. NFL show, national. Across the country. Uh, one of a kind, and it was a bit of a leap to make this thing happen, and we appreciate the chance to make some radio magic. Uh, so to some of the ops that filled in throughout the year, Austin Mackey, Andrew Adams, Tristan Marcajani, thank you. Uh, Daniele Franceschi for helping us out with some big, big guests. Show Ali for filling in whenever I was off. Um, Adam Rank for the weekly hits. Lance for getting this show up and running each yeah. and every day and playing the clips, even though he told me he never would. So thank you. And to you, Donovan, my co-host, we knew each other before this thing started, um, but we never worked together. Not to toot our own horn, but uh, I think we managed this thing pretty darn well. Oh, so thank fun. you for no, putting up with me. Thank you. You carried us. So it's been fun. It has been an absolute blast to bring you all this program each and every day. Um, it is a passion of mine, as you can probably tell, the NFL, and I love it, and I love the cycle. I love everything about the NFL. You know what I hate about the NFL? What's that? When it ends. But hey, we got the draft coming up. I'm sure you'll hear from us uh, time and time again on this day, on, on the network, on the podcast. We'll be around. Uh, but thank you to everyone that listened to this program this year. Matt Marchese signing off for the final time this season. Goodbye, and we'll talk soon.